Welcome to episode 23 of the Bet the Process podcast. I'm very excited for this episode because a lot of sports betting podcasts have shows about props, but not many of them get to do that show with the king of props, which is what your new name is. I mean, not... Uh. I'm we excited like, for the show too, Jeff. I'm excited for it, but I wouldn't call myself the king of props. Well, I, do I props mean, once a year now. Literally, I used to do it every week. It's basically a once a year thing now. Right. But I mean, I think that if there was one thing that you were known for before this podcast, it was for all the notoriety you'd gain from your Super Bowl props. Right. Really? I, I would say it's more of the Massey. It depends on who I'm. Like I'd say it's more the Massey Peabody. Well, yes, about. but this was even before Massey Peabody in some ways, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, yes. My first year, yeah, my first years in Vegas, I I did quite well with props. Right. So I I mean I kind of feel like that's fun. You're getting back to your roots, and you know, like I said, everyone has these podcasts where they talk about you know whether Pink's going to show cleavage, and and they talk about all the great betting props on Bovada. Where where in Las Vegas is Bovada? I've never been there. Where is it? It's I don't know. Bo Nevada. <laughs> it's like Bo right when you get to Red Rock, you make a left, and then you keep driving until you find Bovada, and you'll be I think there. it's in one of those canyons. Right. So Bovada is not in Las Vegas, even though it's Bovada.lv, which does not stand for Las Vegas. I think it stands for what Latvia is. Is LV Latvia? It. It. Yeah. It sounds like it. That sounds yeah. reasonable enough. You know. You know, like all these companies that have .ly as their URL. You know where .ly is, right? Mm. That's Libya. Okay. So, like, yeah. to like, get these different, no, it's Libya. To get these different URLs of strange, you know, extensions, and what happened is like all these great .coms ran out. You literally like these servers, or you have to like purchase the domain. I don't know what the actual restrictions are, but they're they're at some level attached to the country where you get these URLs, and .ly is Libya. That's not that, fake news. That's real news. I, I was I was in an Uber with a, a Libyan driver the other day. He seemed like a really nice guy. We talked. I talked about my time in Morocco, and we talked about delicious food. So I mean, yeah. But I guess he left Libya for a reason, right? Because the last time we were talking about food in Morocco, you were talking about the street vendor that was cooking your turkey with his raw hands and with his bare hands and then making a salad and sandwich with the same thing. So, I mean, I I had something like that happen also when I was in uh, Bulgaria and Sofia, someone was making the new kebab, putting all the raw chicken in there. And then I ordered a kebab. And so he went and literally with his raw chicken hands, you know, took the wrap, put the lettuce on it, like all that stuff. But (laughs) you know what? normally the thing is that stuff probably happens all the time you just don't know it's happening i worked in a restaurant kitchen uh for a summer in high school and another summer in college and you know they're touching i mean the chefs are touching the raw meat with their bare hands and not washing their hands all the time it's just a spoiler alert spoiler Spoiler alert alert. more than one way see how see what i did there the double entendre ah well played sir thank you so shall we should we get to the meat of the episode (laughs) i see what you did there also There you go. Uh, yeah, let's do it. So this is going to center around props. And then obviously we're talking about the Super Bowl. Um, if, if you guys haven't referenced or don't, don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Rufus did have quite a bit of notoriety about him written about it. I think in Las Vegas, you know, Sun, that paper, and also the Washington Post and a whole bunch of other places picked it up. And the sort of headline. Yeah. What's that? It was a Washington Post article. 
I wouldn't have uh, done it if I knew it was going to run in the Las Vegas Sun. I didn't want my picture. Oh, it originally was in the Washington Post. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought Sunday. I read the one in the Post. Super Bowl, front got, page Super Bowl Sunday 2011. Yeah. It got picked up by a lot of different locations because it is it is an interesting thing. Um, they said you bet over $600,000 on props in the Super Bowl. Is that true? That is true. Wow. And how are you able to get that much? I mean, you must be running around like a chicken with the head cut off like the two weeks before the Super Bowl. That, that is the description I, I gave you when you were trying to... You actually said beheaded chicken, beheaded chicken. Okay. Not well, chicken with the head cut off. That was a more efficient way of saying it. You're all about efficiency, so oh, that would really... On Super Bowl week, I have to be, have to be about efficiency. Yeah, Super that's, Bowl week that's, is two weeks, by the way. That's, that's but yes, I, I'm doing it in basically... $500, $1,000, or $2,000 increments because that is the most any book in Las Vegas will take. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So the, 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 pop, the prop glory story that I've heard is that you bet on Gary Russell at 20 to 1 in the Super Bowl to be the first to score a touchdown. What was the impetus behind Gary Russell? You know, I, I, I researched, I, I looked through... Um, his carries, like what percentage of the carries he had inside the five and things like that. And to be honest, looking back on it, I feel like it with my methodology now, it probably wasn't actually even a plus EV bet, you know. Uh, but at the time with my simpler methodology, it 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 looked I, I thought it was really good. Um, I don't think I had a way at the time of actually seeing what the probability of of I guess uh, a rushing touchdown coming from like a goal line type run versus a like run from the 15 or 20 or, you know, one of those long runs. Cause Gary Russell was only getting the ball inside the five. That was that, you know, that's, that's his only chance. To score how, do, how many touch, do you remember if, how many touchdowns he had, had that year? Just, just so we had no Gary Russell, this is from his Wikipedia page is a former American football running back signed by the Steelers as an undrafted free agent in 2007. He won Super Bowl. I don't know Roman numerals, XL3111. I guess that's, what is that, 43? Yeah, that's 43. That's the Steelers. The Steelers against the Cardinals scoring a touchdown in the game. He played college football at Minnesota. So Um, does it tell you how many touchdowns he actually scored that year? I don't think it was that many. uh, Wikipedia does... It looks like, well, I mean, in his career, as of week 17, 2008, was three rushing touchdowns. Okay, and this was the 2008. It seems like he has has 98 career rushing yards, 2.8 rushing average. Well, he was a fullback. How the hell did you bet this guy at 20 to 1? That seems like there was no value there. Um, it does, but he was getting their team's goal line carries. That's the big thing. I'm I'm trying to remember who <laughs> he their wasn't lead back really was. good at them, was he? No, not really. But he's like a fullback. He's in there. He's he's a bruiser. But the funny thing is, he didn't like. I think Roethlisberger scored on a quarterback sneak or a quarterback scramble run, and then it was overturned via replay, and then they gave it to Russell. However, I didn't actually watch the game. I was I was on the golf course. I was playing the little par three course, the Callaway, which is now the TaylorMade one. And then after that, I was trying to stay as far away from any TVs as I could. And after that, like I, th- I was afraid to still be done. Oh, I was so nervous because at the time I had so maybe mistake. yeah, I had like maybe ten thousand dollars in savings to my name at the time, and I put like all of that. I bet all of that. I borrowed ten thousand from another uh, a friend who was a sports better, and I had some people 
invest in me, 40,000, and I have like a 20% free roll on that, which is a really great deal for me, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Looking back on it, it probably wasn't the smartest move by the guy that actually loaned me that money or invested that money. However, he was able to, he did quite well. He was able to buy a, a, a new car with that, with his profit from, from that. So, so you, so you wagered at that, it sounds like 10,000 borrow, 10,000, 40,000 free rolls. It was like, I think total. it was a total of 56,000 bet. And I think my profit was like 24,000, I believe something like that. Or the profit, kind of the profit kind of from that money. And, oh, the sorry? profit that you made or the overall profit? The overall profit. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't buy a new car, but he bought a, old, <laughs> a, a used luxury car. He bought like a used Yugo. So, well, this is also the 2009. So, right. Cars weren't quite, well, I actually have no idea. There was, yeah. But 56,000 uh, with a $24,000 return is, is certainly a good return. I, I it, it was a very good return. And I've never, I've never returned that on a, any Super Bowl, and I probably never will. Do you remember any of the other bets from that? I mean, certainly Gary Russell. How much did you have down at Gary Russell at 20 so, to 1? I don't know. I had, I know I had him at, 20 to one to score the game's first touchdown and also maybe like 10 to one to score the game to score the Steelers first touchdown. I'm not sure. I think I know, I think I won maybe like 15 to 15,000 from that alone. Like, so I probably had 500 on 500 and first game touchdown, 500 and first Steelers touchdown. I don't remember exactly. Don't but you I remember feel it could like have been you, even be- it could have been a lot better too. If, if Larry Fitzgerald hadn't like had a monster fourth quarter. So I talked to friends of mine who have been betting props for for well longer than I have, who were watching the game and they thought they were going to make a killing and the Larry Fitzgerald going off and all the points on the fourth quarter absolutely, you know, screwed him over. They still, I think, did well, but but for me just looking at just looking at the box score at the end, I didn't have to deal with that sort of disappointment of things looking good. Well, I didn't have to deal with any disappointment at all because once I saw Gary Russell scored the first touchdown, I knew it was going to be good. Interesting. So typically the first to score touchdown, I can't imagine provides very much value um, because it's not a two-sided market. It's one of those markets that, you know, they can basically make a ton of hold on. Um, do you usually see value? No, no, I don't. They, they normally take a lot of juice out of there. Although last right. year, I think I had Devonte Freeman. I got him at 10 to one odds and that was, that was a nice bet. I think well, I, mean, it wasn't I made him like, True price was like maybe plus eight twenty, and he did score the first touchdown. Yes, nice. I don't remember yeah, all the ones. Seem short, that seems short odds for the. I guess that's probably starting they running expected. back. Starting well, running back for the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, but they probably expect New England to score the first touchdown too. Like they're probably shaded towards New England players. I mean, yes, New England was the favorite there, but you know, wouldn't be shaded that hard. I mean, what they're probably it shouldn't actually been because New England actually likes to defer anyways. So the chance that Atlanta got the ball first. But don't the Falcons, I mean, most teams defer these days, I feel like. Not the dumb ones. That's true. So no one this year, there's no value on any of the first to score this year? I didn't, no, I didn't see any. And speaking of- Is there of anyone close? Because first to score is, markets. first to score may be the most fun bet, I think, of any prop bet to me. It's just exciting. Really? Yeah, no, I like, I used to, I used to like bet it just for fun. And we can like- of a, you know, Brian Mead, who uh, is the sports action founder, he always wants to bet first to score. And it's, it's really exciting until the first touchdown comes. And then obviously it's a big, big letdown at that point. So I don't, I don't actually, I don't have the numbers in front of me uh, for different books. I mean, they're going to be different everywhere around Vegas. 
But I think yeah. the, I only have one guy at better than 10 to 1 odds. Who's that? Brandon Cooks. Really? 64. Yeah. I have him higher than Gronk, actually. Huh. And higher than, I mean, there's not a lot of, I don't have a single guy who favored to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl this year, despite the total being 48. Really? So it's, it, I think if you look at both teams' rushing attacks, uh, you don't really have one guy that's getting all the touchdowns. Burkhead was the Patriots goal line guy when he was healthy, but then you've seen James White actually get some of those carries recently. And, you know, Deion Lewis was getting those in weeks 16 and 17 when White and Burkhead were injured. So, you know, you sort of have three guys that could be getting the rushing touchdowns there. And as far as the Eagles go, you know, Ajayi is their main guy, but LeGarrette Blunt has been getting, I mean, does get more of those, the goal line carries. So you don't, it, it's sort of, you don't have one one running back on either team that's going to be getting like the majority of those goal line carries. Yeah, that's majority of the touchdowns, I should say. So it's kind of a bummer. I mean, although maybe that means that like long shots don't usually have very much value at all in this, but maybe long shots have like marginal value. No. Yeah, I mean, I, generally they don't put the odds high enough for any of these long shots. It doesn't seem like it really doesn't. Hmm. And I'm looking at players. Generally, too, rushing touchdowns are more. It's more likely, I guess, rushing touchdowns are overrepresented as first touchdowns relative to touchdowns overall. So it seems like I've always the only value I've ever had generally is on, um, or most of the value I've had in first touchdowns is on a running back. All right, I have Chris's numbers in front of me now, and Gronkowski looks like plus six sixty five. Uh, Brandon oh. Cooks is actually plus eleven hundred. There's value there, ah, right? Okay, okay. No, I was just messing with you. There, he's only plus eight seventy four. Yeah. I was trying to get people excited about value. <laughs> um, yeah, doesn't. I mean, like, so you're saying that typically the value would be from wide receivers, not running backs. No, no, that it would be running backs because rushing touchdowns are overrepresented as first touchdowns relative to regular touchdowns. Meaning that. Oh, meaning like. Meaning oh, it's God. more likely, like, let's say, let's say only... Because, like, team, are teams conservative at the beginning and they just want to get the ball in there? 30% of your offensive touchdowns are, are rushing touchdowns. Maybe, like, 32% are going to... Maybe it's 30... It's, like, a 32 or 33% chance of the first score being a rushing touchdown. Or the first touchdown being a rushing touchdown. Um, I'm, I'm, those numbers, I'm just... Are completely out of my ass. But, like, I am saying that I've done the work in, in the past and I do know... It's 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 somewhere in the bowels of this big spreadsheet I'm looking at. Do you but, do you have any like explanation for why running touchdowns are overrepresented? Is it because like teams are just conservative to start and like want or they have scripted plays that they want to run or something? It could be that I think largely in the you get in the second half you have teams um, teams that are behind or or passing the ball more. Although teams ahead are going to be running it more, but at the same time, those teams aren't really trying to score as much as they're trying to run clock. Right. Huh. Interesting. So I will watch someone come in, like tell me that actually that's not true anymore. Cause I haven't actually, I, I don't do props enough to really justify um, doing re jiggering everything every year. Yeah. So well, we, we won't hold, we won't hold you to that. Um, What's the prop that you are the most proud that you made in your life? In my life. So I guess there's two categories of props that you could say that I'm proud of. One are the ones that are horribly, horribly mispriced that I'm able to bet into oblivion. So 
Or and as or as Mike those Tyson are ones, would say, you bet into Bolivia. That's Bolivia, or or as my seventh grade t- science teacher would say, you got to be specific about it. Well, you know what happened, right? When America, I got, I got very Atlantic with him. <laughs> when Magellan went through the Straits of Magellan, they said, "What do you want to call it?" And he said, "I'm going to call it an ocean." And they said, "Could you be more Pacific?" Ah ha ha! Well played. Thank now, you. now. I, if you want another prop betting story, that same year that I bet the Gary Russell first touchdown, I went to, to I, I remember going to the Rio to bet, to get there. Uh, this is the Friday before, this is the fir- the Friday after the conference championship games. And their prop sheet, I think I was maybe, I got there maybe a half hour after it had come out, but there hadn't, I somehow beat a lot of the other uh, sharps that were trying to pounce on value there. And I remember they had, I think it was under three and a half field goals lined at like plus 140. And they had under one and a half uh, fumbles lost at some really like an underdog price as well. And they had something like under, I think Kurt Warner at under 56 and a half yards for his longest completion, which is like insane. It should have been maybe like 39 and a half, 41 and a half, something like that. But I remember I bet this first one, I bet the under three and a half or tried to bet the under three and a half field goals at plus 140 for the limit. and which limit betting for me at that time was was still something novel because I didn't have any bankroll. But I was like, this is a big enough edge. It should have been like minus 140 and it was plus 130. I'm like, this is, and this is, this isn't one of those player props where I, you know, my, num- my interpretation could be wrong and there's a lot of art into it. This is kind of a pure numbers, easy one to, to model. And so um, I, yeah, I tried to bet 500 and they rejected my bet and moved the line like 50 cents. And I was so pissed off. And I called my friend at LVSC and told him what had happened. And he's like, fuck Harris. They're garbage. Here's what you do. You park at Bally's or park at Buffalo Bills, which are Bills Gambling Hall and Saloon, whatever it used to be called, which is now, um, what's it called now? You're like delving into a part of the strip that I don't typically, is it like O'Shea's or something like that? This is right around that area, right? Oh, it's, it's, it's the one with Dre's. Cor- oh yeah, Cromwell. Yeah, the Cromwell. There you go. There you go. So park in the parking lot there. Hit up and then and then do the do the Harris loop because you know Harris has all those books. Basically, they have the Paris, they have Bally's, they have um, at the time Bills, Flamingo, right? A- actual Harris. Um, at the time, they had Imperial Palace or the Imperial Butthole, as I would call it. And and then you can so basically just hit that loop. And so what I did, and if you go, I think if your bets are under like $400 or something like that, it doesn't trigger approval. So what I would do is go and like hit, like bet with, try to bet with like each individual ticket writer. Um, yeah. In a, in a particular book and hit, like hit it a few times at like 300 or 400 bucks and then go this on. Is to like, one this is like, this is like cashing out chips at the casino also. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to hit the limit where it requires approval. So you just keep going under a certain threshold. I mean, I've not done that. I mean, I feel like you should, I feel like not, I feel like there's other issues doing what you're talking about, Jeff, but, but so I went from place to place and I end up getting maybe like $3,000, $2,000 positions on each of those um, props. And so I, I was really proud of that. I think that was something I was really proud of because I was proud of my execution there of, of, I was just angry because they were doing they were being unethical by by rejecting a bet and moving the line based on what I was going to bet. It's like, I mean, 
if you think about it, they a sports book pu- puts up a number, they put up two sides and they should honor both sides there, right? They shouldn't say, oh, you know, I know you want to bet this side. And so that means our our price must be wrong. So we'll move the line and not take your bet. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely it's something ethical. It's, it's something that CG has done or Cantor, like I know, has been known to do. Um, well, it's also something that the South Point got a lot of crap about with this whole better X guy that came in to bet the World Series. And, you know, supposedly like Chris Andrews moved the line. That's what RJ said. I mean, this is all alleged. So I don't eh, want to. I've like, never had it. any. I, I feel like Chris Andrews runs a very, very like he, he runs. He runs a book that. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm treated fairly there. No, I mean, I've, I've met Chris Andrews a couple of times and he seems like a great guy. But this is was the claim that RJ made, at least. So I guess mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like listening to are, RJ. So maybe are we, are we head out of my butt. How do we feel about RJ's credibility? <laughs> Did you see the tweets about uh, Purdom wrote the article about better X betting, you know, million dollars or whatever on the on the Eagles? And RJ was upset because Purdom did not give him any credit for the story or for for breaking the story. And <laughs> Purdom just wrote, story. it's because you are not a credible source, which made uh, obviously RJ very upset. Oh, I love it. I love you it. should look on Twitter. I know you're on a break from Twitter, but maybe you should go look because it's, it's entertaining. Okay. So anyway, back to back. So, so to answer your question though, the, I, I'd say, if you want to include execution, did you win that bet? I assume you won that bet. I think I won all of those because they, I mean, those were horribly mispriced. I remember I could have, I I thought about, um, just because I didn't have a huge bankroll. Obviously, I thought about actually later on coming in and taking the other side because it would have, I still would have had like a forty five percent or fifty percent middle on like yeah. on some of those. But um, actually, What's, no, I think it it wasn't under one and a half fumbles. It was something like under for Kurt Warner rushing yards or longest rush, but. What is your? I've I've bet a few into oblivion this year as well. I South Point opened no roughing the passer at even money, which normally that's open. Normally the win is the one that opens that at like minus one ten, and it gets bet to like over minus two hundred every year. But but this year I was the one like to get to bet it at South Point, and they also opened longest touchdown. Getting down on no roughing the passer. I don't know, five hundred dollars at a time. I think I got it even minus one ten, minus one twenty, minus one thirty-five, one minus one fifty-five, minus one seventy-five. Why do you think they open it at that price if it always gets bet up to minus two hundred? I don't know. I mean, they're they're having to come up with lines for a lot of different props, and so I think sometimes yeah, but that's like something that like you would if they have that prop every year. Don't you think they should know what should be priced at every year? Yeah, but I don't know if they're dealing with if they have. I don't know what the record keeping's like. I know that you know Chris Andrews it hasn't been there for that long either, and I don't know what in terms of um, the databases they have too. I mean, it's a lot easier for me to look with with the um, because I like I have databases and all that stuff. Um, but and the other thing is, I think that overall, looking at just I mean, penalties are not called nearly as often in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. The refs, I mean, it, it's. This is not a small sample size thing. In general, the refs swallow their whistles. And so that's one another reason that there's more value there. So if it was a regular season game, I mean, minus 110 would still be a great price on no roughing the passer, but it's um, it wouldn't be as egregiously mispriced, in my opinion. Got it. But also, under longest touchdown, open at 58.5, and I bet that they moved it 
two, uh, they moved it two yards each time. So I got it like 58 and a half, 56 and a half, 54 and a half, 52 and a half, all the way to 46 and a half. And then the Dion Lewis bet. And then Dion Lewis, I just, I personally like the Westgate opened him at under four and a half receptions at minus 110, I think. And, and I, um, I, I pounced on that a few times, but I think, um, that's not one where I think that if I hadn't other people would have necessarily, I think it's one where I just, my numbers have a strong, um, I, I'm strongly under on Dion Lewis, I guess. So at least on his receiving. He's yeah, not and necessarily the number. best guy for the Patriots. No, which and I think part of that is the fact that he has, um, if you, he's gotten a ton of receptions the last few games, but you look at it, I mean, Burke had only played three snaps last week, and in weeks 16 and 17, James White and Burkhead were injured, and James White isn't their normal pass catching back, and Burkhead normally also gets some targets as well. So the other thing is, like, um, last week, he, sorry, Deion Lewis had, I want to actually find this because it's it's quite a number. Um, he he had targets on a ridiculous number of of ridiculous percentage of the routes he ran, and that number is going to be. Um, he ran 15 routes last week and was targeted on eight of them. That's pretty high. Now I don't know if some of those were just intentional screens that were going to be that it's basically like a 85 percent chance it's going to he's going to be targeted, but but that's a very high number, and and he's actually. Funny thing is he's the games when he hasn't had a lot of when he hasn't run a lot of routes, he's has gotten a lot of targets, relatively speaking. Week 14, 12 routes, five targets. But James White didn't really I mean route ran 20, 27 routes and only got five targets. So and the other thing is um in week sixteen and seventeen, um Deion Lewis had five and seven targets, and that's because and he played a lot more, but that's because you had um the you had the other two backs injured. So did you have you where have you netted out on like last week Rufus and I were texting and there was a lot of anxiety about someone that I'm sure many people don't care about right now, which is Mike Gillisley. Mike Gillisley. I was like, well, what's we, what the hell's going to happen with him? Because he was have we turned out if he's going to be. Do we know if he's going to play? Uh, you know, if he does play, it'll it can only help me. So uh, interesting. Because so, you have unders, you must have unders on a lot of the Patriots running backs. Yeah, I think that anytime you have a lot of players at one position, and um, that are, that all can see, if all, all have seen some significant uh, workload at times, um, the sum of the projections, I guess, by the books can be kind of high. But that's if, a, yeah, Gillisley like hasn't played. He he played week sixteen and reaggravated an injury, but he he played twenty one percent of snaps. In, in week 16 and before that hadn't played since week eight but week 16 he played a lot because as i said twice already james white and rex burkhead were injured and so i don't see a scenario realistically where white burkhead and um Deion lewis and mike gillisley are all active because brandon bolden is going to be active because he's a big special teamer yeah what's your uh process for evaluating props like what tell me a little bit about like this is a bet the process podcast how do you how do you kind of do that it is well game uh, there's two different kinds you have the game props and the player props game props are relatively straightforward uh things like will there be three unanswered scores will there be a score in the first seven minutes of the game will there be a lead change in the first half will there be a score in the last two minutes of the first half 
those kinds of things, you don't really need any specific info from the teams, just a historical data database with info containing that information, as well as, you know, knowing the lines and totals and all that. And it's, it's that's simple math, simple statistics, I should say. So wait, something like that, how do you think something like that gets mispriced by the books? Um, because that data back in the day that nobody, like, those databases weren't as easy to come by. Back when I was doing this 10 years ago or nine years ago, I should say, there were some significant mispricings on those. And you see fewer of those mispricings now? By far. So, and, yeah. and when they are mispriced, if one book misprices it, it's going to be bet in a hurry because there'll be arbitrage opportunities with other books generally. Right. There are a few that I've seen some some value on. One thing I have a very big position, and I'm okay with saying it um, because I already have a big position on it. And I've bet it, and it's gotten some resistance. I think people have bet um, the other side, and and so maybe um, there's something I'm not seeing. But and that's under uh, well, there being no two point conversion attempt. And I know that the rules are. I mean, it's more likely you're going to get a two point conversion now than it was three or four years ago because of the longer extra points. But but still. I, I don't I don't know why people um, see the value on the yes there, or if it's something team specific. I haven't really found a lot of um, sort of team specific stuff that carries over. But the Eagles did have the one game where their kicker got injured, and so they attempted like three or four uh, two point conversions. So if someone's literally just looking at what percentage of touchdowns the Eagles go for two on, they're going to be very much uh, deceived. Right. What uh? What's the number there that you you're down on? I got it. It I've gotten it. It is good at as good a price as minus one fifty, and I think, um, I've gotten it substantially higher too. I mean, up to minus one seventy five or so. All right. So there's 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 your but. there's your pick right there because I'm I'm guessing that's still available, right? Some value there. Yeah, I think so. And I'm sure I'm sure I'm going to be getting a lot. You know, the yes is something the public loves to bet. So it's one of those props that I'm sure on game day, I'm going to be getting a lot of value. I'm going to be betting more of it on the no. I'm assuming that you're also then probably on the no successful two-point conversion. Yeah, smart man. So I just know because after, like, it's a tradition after every Super Bowl, I hear it would have been so amazing if they just hadn't got that last two-point conversion. From me? Yeah. I feel yeah, like you've said that a couple of times. Or the safety me. or the defensive touchdown. Yeah. So that is true. So it is true. Like I've been hearing on some of the mainstream uh, mainstream that they talk about, you know, the the no overtime or the no safety and all that kind of stuff being like an ATM for professional betters. Do you find yourself you say the no you like no safety, no overtime? No, no overtime. Yeah, yeah, the no safety, especially because you had safeties in like I think three out of four Super Bowls at one point. And no safety is one of those that you know is is good every year, but I think it it's been better. And you've had so many safeties in Super Bowls, or years where you had three safeties, and I, I I still remember two of them. You had the one that um, in two thousand, I guess it was the two thousand twelve season, the the Tom Brady had the intentional grounding penalty on the the throw deep down the middle. Do you remember that one? And then, yeah, I mean, I probably blocked that out of my memory because I'm a Patriots fan. There's that Super Bowl. You had that, and then you had the, um, you had Ahmad Bradshaw trying to fall down and not go in the end zone and not succeeding and costing me a gazillion dollars because everything lost <laughs> after that. Because I had exactas on like the Patriots to score whatever that amount they were going to be on was if they kicked the field goal or whatever. Um, 
Yeah. And so, and even if they had scored the touchdown, kick the extra point, but, uh, but then you also had the Denver game where the the first snap of the game uh, went over Peyton Manning's head and into the end zone for a safety. And that was the first score being a safety too, which people got at like a hundred to one or something, which is a very negative EV bet, but people made some money off of it. So great for them. Um, but yeah, so yeah. so those, but so yeah, like people love the public loves betting on things to happen. I don't think that's any secret. They love betting overs in general, and so they love betting on safeties. They love betting on two point conversions, on defensive touchdowns, on overtime. Yeah, because they love the, the lottery. Thumb, they, they love the lottery mentality too. They like things to happen, and they like the lottery mentality. So it's the same reason why you have, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but why. Um, the public bets the underdog on the money line and the favorite on the point spread because they they don't want they're, they're not going to lay the big price on the favorite you know they'll take the the points so they can have that you know, that that sort of risk reward profile that's one to one versus um, on the underdog they want the sort of the big payoff right but so 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 game props as you said so the game props are pretty straightforward I think and there's a lot of people that that's not I'm I'm no uh, what I'm not, what I'm doing isn't unusual there in, in any way, I don't think. And the player props are a different story, though. And, and oftentimes they're as much art as science. Yes, there's a quantitative backbone to them. I project out uh, team level stats using offense, defense, and quarterback priors and integrating in season numbers, kind of similar to what I do for the Massey Peabody stuff, you know, with, with healthy regression to the mean. But there's also, there's also uh, trying to figure out how much to weight the fact that Rex Burke had played three offensive snaps last week. Was that, Due to him being sort of not 100 percent from from coming back from that knee injury, was that due to a punishment for injuring Tom Brady? Was that the fact that Deion Lewis had looked so good in the previous weeks that they wanted to f- that he's being phased out? You know, that's something that's difficult to tell. Or, or how do I discount Deion like discounting Deion Lewis's numbers in week 16 and 17 because of the injuries to the other running backs? Or or what about Danny Amendola's snap counts when Gronkowski and Chris Hogan were out. So how have how have props changed over time? I mean, obviously, with the more data available, there's there's obviously, um, you know, more people have the same point of view. How have things changed? You've been betting them for a while. What do you think? Is there me- less value now because of this? Uh, 100% so. There's definitely less value. There's also in Las Vegas, there are fewer independent books. And so and more books copying and, and there's fewer, there's less gravy. There's fewer things that are egregiously mispriced when they come out and and when there are those you have you're not only competing with other you're competing with a lot of people that are trying to arb numbers too that that'll be there and especially with the apps now um you could be in line for the westgate and sort of comparing the westgate numbers to the south point numbers and just literally just arbing like betting purely based on not knowing anything about which numbers right but just arbing the two and and that is frustrating markets are becoming generally markets are just becoming more efficient because of technology right and and it's frustrating to me though just because um it takes away a lot of the value but also because i'm not just going to arb something for the sake of arbing it i'm only going to bet i'm only going to bet um the side that's correct and or or, sorry this the side i'm only going to bet something that actually has value so yeah i mean that's that should be the second title to this which is bet value not just bet yeah. the props, bet value. But you know, if, if I didn't know anything about props, then sure, it's a way of getting free money. So there you go. <laughs> All right, so let's go and move on to the game. Um, what is you know the, the game opened at six and a half at some locations and has been bet all the way down to four in some locations. 
what does Massey Peabody say about the game? And is there any value here? Like, why do we, why do we think the value is, uh, why do we think that the Eagles are getting bet, I guess? Well, the Super Bowl is different than any other game. I'd say in practically any other sport too. It's sort of a, you you can treat line movements uh, for the Super Bowl different than any other line movements uh, than any other game. So uh, I'm not inclined at all to say it's a sharp move um, because most of the money is coming from the public. Like a vast majority of it is coming from people that are not necessarily going to be betting other games either. You know, it's everybody bets on the Super Bowl. whether they're better or not, at least in, in Las Vegas, it seems like. And so, um, yeah, I had, I had a friend be like, hey, can you get me some Eagles money line? Um, <laughs> Did you which is it? literally what everybody in Las Vegas is doing. That's what everybody in the, you know, around the country, I guess, is doing too, because or the, and, and that's sort of what happens in the Super Bowl. You have the public betting the underdog on the money line and the favorite on the point spread when they bet the favorite. So, but that's not true of this, right? Like the the line is going down, so people are actually betting the Eagles on the point spread also. Right, I'm saying the people that are betting the Patriots, though, are going to be betting them on the point spread, not the money line. And so as a result, you have what, what's, what, what I call the Super Bowl middle, or I'm not the only one that calls it that, but it, where, where you have value like um, on the favorite money line at kickoff and relative to the um, point spread. So for to give you an example, right now the point spread's four and a half and the total is 48. My numbers say that the money line should be minus 193, but in Las Vegas, you're seeing a lot of minus 185s, minus 180s. At one point, it even got down to minus 175 on the Patriots. So I, if you assume that the point spread is the more efficient market, um, which generally is a, a very safe assumption during the season, but I don't, I'm not saying, I don't know if that's a safe assumption for the Super Bowl because of, because the Super Bowl is not the same in terms of where the money's being bet. So, but if you did assume that, then that would be a very nice bet. However, I could just say, okay, I'll take um, Eagles on the uh, points, Eagles with the points and Patriots money line. And I know I have a, a portfolio that's a positive EV. Interesting. So, what is what does Massey Peabody actually say about the lines? Like, what what should the line and the total be? If it's minus four and a half, forty eight here, is there any value on either side? Patriots minus five point six, total of forty nine, no value. So no value, no value there. Really. So I mean, I have I have Eagles futures as we've talked about in the past, and I have a little bit of Patriots futures too because I don't know if you remember there was a time during the middle of the season where I thought the Patriots were underpriced, and so. Well, we, I mean, we had, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't actually a, a short time. There was a lot of there were a lot of weeks where we kept talking about the Patriots having value. Yeah, Even going true. into the playoffs, they had value because they were like plus two sixty or something like that, and you had them at at only plus one eighty or something, I believe. Because right. I have some Patriots futures because I I listened to the Bet the Process podcast and my brilliant partner rufus peabody told me that there was value on the patriots and since i am a patriots fan and would love to have patriots futures in my pocket in the super bowl that's what i have so the funny thing is i haven't you know you know how we talked about all the value on alabama too i didn't really get a lot of uh alabama futures and i didn't i don't have a ton of new england futures either just i guess part of it is because though you know it doesn't pay that well relative to what um, my Eagles. Oh, so you have a lottery season. mentality, also. 
Well, if I'm tying up if I'm tying up money for an extended amount of time, I want the return to to be um a little bit better, right? Yeah, no, I I hear you, and that's why we had said earlier. I remember we talked about this, and you asked like, why do you have any futures? And I said at that time I didn't, and I was like, well, I don't like to tie up unless you know, obviously. The Eagles, I think we said in week maybe three, I think they were 20 plus 2,500. And we made a big point that there was value there. Um, we can rewind to that episode, but hopefully some people listen to that because there is obviously uh, great value now um, at plus 2,500. Oh, right. And, and I think I had, I want to see what I got them at, like 40 to one or something. I had some uh, some Eagles to win the NFC as well. So. Um, However, last week the the I shouldn't say last weekend conference championship weekend was still a a major disappointment to me with with the Jaguars failing to uh, failing to close out that yeah. game. That well, was that was tough, given that I was loaded up on Jaguars futures and and then also I had Patriots on the point spread that game, and I also had added to my Jaguars position at halftime. So it was great. Maybe you should know better than the bet against Tom. Terrific. Um, I don't know if you know, but he's the best quarterback ever. Yeah. I mean, he is. It's hard to argue with that. He seems to keep producing. All right. So we'll do our last man versus machine. Uh, start up the machine just for tradition's sake. Do we even need to? Okay. Fine. Yeah, well, fine. I mean, you, there is a tradition's sake. Okay, tradition. A tradition, and- a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> Except like lots of other things, because I think man versus machine is a fairly common name. In fact, I wrote, I was the machine in like a man versus machine column for Sports on Earth like three years ago with like Will. Will, Wasn't Will Will Leach the, yeah. Leach, Leach, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Will Leach. And I never, I I never actually sent in my like paperwork, so I never got paid anything from that either. Yeah. I, I wrote an article last year for Wired Magazine on the Super Bowl. And I wrote it right after the Super Bowl. So I had, you know, obviously been enjoying the Super Bowl in many ways. Um, And so I'm writing this article going back and forth with this editor. And it was painful, but it ended up being what I thought was like a decent article about the Super Bowl. Um, And then it's the same thing. Like I found out how much money I was going to get paid and how much paperwork I was going to need to do to get paid. And I was like, "Eh, this may not be worth it. So anyways, Uh, what does the sheet say? What's that? I remember that article. I don't, I don't. Remember much? Blackjack Pro explains how ignoring the odds cost the Falcons the Super Bowl. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah, go. creating your narrative. Um. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It but was... yeah, no, I I agree. That I, I think we can agree that the Falcons didn't necessarily um, play optimally in the fourth quarter. But yeah, I think there was some serious basic strategy gas that they made in the parlance of blackjack. Just as just as simple as like letting the clock run down in situations where there was no reason not to let the clock yes. run down. I mean that that to me is enough to sort of like you know an indication that they weren't doing right the right thing. And that's something that I think the Jaguars did last week too, by the way. And also, but the Jaguars made the opposite mistake. They got very conservative both on defense, especially on defense and on offense. Um, and I tend to think that the teams I'd rather have my team be make the mistake of being over aggressive and playing to and, and rather than playing out to lose there's nothing worse yeah. than the, the pre but, I would but, agree. but the thing is when you when you when you lose because and you make the mistake of being over aggressive it seems like 
the backlash is much much greater because it's because the norm is is coaches being over conservative right and that's that's the benjamin disraeli who's like a famous econ, econ economist he said i believe it was him that said it's you know history will teach you that it's better to fail uh conventionally than it is to succeed unconventionally and it's the same reason why you have i mean why nfl coaches um seem to always make the same mistakes again and again and again and and they don't go for it more and all that because they don't want to make you already have a top job you're you know you're already sort of at the top of your field why you know why uh why put yourself out there right well, there's other, yeah, that, that's really, that's like one of the big things, right? Which is that ultimately they're not optimizing for winning. They're optimizing for job uh, self-preservation. So when they make a decision, it's not like they're always making the optimal decision for winning because history would teach them that it, they can preserve their job as long as they just don't do anything too crazy. And the uh, same goes for front offices too. I think, in, I think the problems are even greater with front offices who, whose incentive um, sometimes i mean it should be well let, let's talk about i mean a front office like the browns or the philadelphia 76ers back with sam hinkey they were they and the astros um they basically had the support of their owners or their owners said they bought into this plan of, of sucking for a while um to build a base and, and being good in the long run but the problem is fan bases grow restless owners grow impatient and they give up on these things before they actually have time to to reap the fruits of their their labor and their patience. And so, most GMs make decisions that are going to be in the short term best interest, but the long term, but to the long term detriment. Like I think the one GM is an Orioles fan. I remember Pat Gillick in the '90s, and I know he did the same thing with the um, he did the same thing with Philadelphia, and that he basically just gutted the farm system and just to win now and and then when he finally left, you know, it was, it took years of rebuilding. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's not fair. Uh, it certainly wasn't fair. What happened to Sam Hinkie. Um, I think all of us that are, uh, doing a podcast called bet the process are probably fans of Sam. Um, sure. so anyways, well, that's, okay. that's that. I mean, he's, the machine likes, so the machine likes, Barely Patriots, the, the Patriots. Because the line's what would that line have to get? What would that line have to get to for you to actually like have a play on the Patriots? Well, I'm going to have a play on the Patriots anyway because of because of my uh, Eagles Super Bowl exposure. So I'm and, and that my bet is not going to be on the point spread. It's going to be on the money line. And I'm hoping. I mean, I'm I'm thinking there's a chance I might get a minus better than minus 170 on game day. Who knows? I, I'm I'm going to wait so until I'm going to wait until post time though. This is this is a week where. Uh, rather than getting my bet in early and, and hoping uh, before the lines move, I'm I'm waiting for the public to to bet things out of whack as far as they possible. Okay, so the line value right now, where we see potential value, is going to be on the Patriots money line. So keep your eyes open and peeled for that. Um, that will be our sort of last bet. The process, um, you know that uh pick for you i guess and, and you know the great so. thing is that even by giving this out and bet the process i'm not going to change the fact that there's going to be so many people betting equals money line that um so yeah i, I don't feel like i'm gonna remember that nobody actually really listens to this so although i did meet a, I did meet a listener which was pretty I, cool. I don't believe you i did i did it was very cool 
he uh, he came up to me at an event and said that he was a listener of me on the Tony Kornheiser show. And I said, oh, great. And he said, and also on your podcast, Bet the Process. And I said, wow. Uh, by the way, how did your picks end up on on the TK? I'm, I'm literally 500 right now. Ah, like exactly 500. So, but you're yeah. But what? I was gonna say you're smarter than a monkey flipping a coin. No, the the monkey is up. The monkey's not. Is he's over 500? They have a so monkey I'm not doing smarter it. Than, they literally they have, have a monkey that does it. Oh, I love that. I'm picking against Maybe the monkey, and the monkey's beating you. Yeah. Well, I'm saying next time you go to DC, next time you're in DC for an extended period of time, I'm going to make them put you on so you can interview so they can see that you're a real person. <laughs> I did listen to that uh, that clip you told me about. It was hilarious. Yeah, they didn't. Sh- they weren't sure you were a real person. So I'm going to make sure that they know that you're a real person. Because sometimes I'm not sure I'm a real person. You are a real person. All right. With that, um, that's a season. Um, we're definitely going to be doing this. Throughout the post, throughout the off season, we're trying to come up with exactly what we want our structure to be, etc. But um, keep listening, keep subscribing, and keep and we enjoying appreciate any feedback. feedback. Yeah, we love we love feedback as long as it's good. So, Only the good. All right, thanks, guys, and have a good Super Bowl. Good luck to everyone.